Today's episode is sponsored by BGB Publishing. From the mind that brought you the board game bulletin comes an all-new word game with a twist. Vowel, that's spelled V-O-W-L, the game of letters gone astray, was designed with the modern gamer in mind and features a unique blend of fast-paced wordplay alongside strategic scoring decisions. Race against your friends to recognize words without any vowels and then choose your reward with the game's unique scoring system. Every point gained will impact your future turns and your opponents. Featuring up to 420 unique puzzle cards and modular difficulty, Val is sure to be a delight at any game night. Back it on Kickstarter now through April 25th. And if you're looking for a partner to help you with marketing, I recommend you reach out to Andrew Lowen at Next Level Web. In the last year, Andrew and his company have helped board game creators raise more than $2 million on Kickstarter, and 91% of those campaigns funded in the first 24 hours, and 74% of those campaigns were from first-time creators. They have a system that works and offer solutions ranging from helping you build ads for your project all the way to fully managing your marketing campaign. So if you're looking for a reliable marketing partner for your upcoming campaign, visit nextlevelweb.com kickstarter and fill out a contact form. Hosting for the Board Game Design Lab podcast is sponsored by Quartermaster Logistics, the leader in crowdfunding fulfillment and warehousing. Check them out at qmlogistics.com. Welcome to the Board Game Design Lab podcast, a proud member of the Dice Tower Network. Each week, we want to bring you an insightful interview on a specific topic in board game design to help you design and create games people love. And now, here's your host, Gabe Barrett. What's up, my friends? Welcome to the Board Game Design Lab. Today, doing a BGDL community spotlight where I talk to a member of the Board Game Design Lab community about a specific topic that maybe is a little bit smaller than would be in a a long episode. These are shorter form episodes, but I wanted to reach out to different people in the Board Game Design Lab community that were doing some cool things, whether it was with marketing or their game design process or doing something interesting with a mechanism or a theme or something like that, and just give them an opportunity to talk about what they're doing and share that with with you, and also give them a bit of a platform to get their ideas out there. And today, we're talking about time. We're talking about how to manage your time, how to optimize your time, and maybe how to manage yourself and how to optimize yourself, because I think that also plays a huge role in time management. It's self-management. We're talking to Trevor LaForce. Trevor, welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Gabe. Happy to be here. Yeah, really excited to have you here. You were one of around, I think, 50 or so people submitted to the the forum where I said, hey, you know, I'd love to promote some people in the Board Game Design Lab community. I would love to hear about some cool things that you're doing. It could be, you know, a mechanism. It could be a, a different way of doing marketing or whatever. And amazing ideas came in. But one of, uh, one of those in particular was yours as you were talking about kind of how you've optimized your time and how you've kind of cracked the code to not only have a marriage and a full-time job, and a whole bunch of kids, but also to be able to slide game design in there and to get things done. So I'm really excited just to hear about your process and the things that you've been, you've been learning and the tools you're using and things like that. But before we get into all of that, who are you? How'd you get in game design? All that kind of thing. My name's Trevor. Uh, in my day job, I manage the education team for a national not-for-profit. Um, in terms of game design, I'm pretty early in my game design journey. Uh, this is something that I came to I don't want to say accidentally, um, but it grew out of a bunch of other work that I was doing around uh, writing and 3D printing and, and my general kind of multi-hyphenate uh, maker approach to things and played a couple of games. I, I had been uh, underexposed to deck builders for a long time, and I played one that just kind of flipped a switch in my head. And I thought, 
uh, I thought that that was um, a a great place to get into it because it involves writing and art things, you know, uh, skills that I already have that I don't have to completely develop a new set of skills. Uh, so I saw an in to do something fun and I took it and the board game design lab community has been just an incredible resource uh, for informing that journey and, and all that learning. So I'm really, really happy to be here. Very cool. Well, you know, we don't have long for these community spotlights. Let's just dive right into the uh, the topic. Tell me about your process. Give me kind of a high level overview of your time management, your time optimization, and then we can dive into kind of the more specifics in a minute. Totally. So I feel like I, I came to this almost under false pretenses because I know that we were using the word time management a lot. And really, uh, like you said in the intro, the thing for me that has worked has really been time optimization. Um, it has been when you manage to carve out those little pockets of time to work on a project, if you have a busy life, if you have, um, if you have a, a family that you have obligations to and that you wanna spend time with and those activities do not involve board game design, how then do you wring the most juice out of those other moments? Um, so, one of the things that uh, the, the initial part of my approach is to um, work when you're not working to maximize the impact of the time spent when you are. You have to pay really close attention to uh, your input output cycle and making sure that you are feeding the beast. You want to make sure that you uh, are, are running the engine when it's fueled, let's say. Um, you have to use tools that go where you go and that are accessible uh, from your pocket or from your bedside table or whatever it is, uh, wherever it is that you are um, finding your couple of spare minutes to work on your projects, um, expanding time, you know, reclaiming pockets of time that you haven't necessarily uh, considered viable for doing board game development in before, um, managing how you how you choose to utilize downtime um, and in some cases reevaluating the downtime that you're uh, that you're taking uh, and repurposing some of that for the purposes of development um, and then uh, and then some some general planner stuff we can talk about um, and trying to maintain mental health and mood around some of these things uh, creative types can often really get into their heads about their productivity and output. Um, so it's, it's important to take care of that side of things as well. Yeah, very cool. All right, lots of really interesting things to dive into right there that you just mentioned. So let's just kind of go one by one. One thing that you mentioned early on was how to work when you're not working. So what do you mean by that? How do you, <laughs> you, know, how do, you do that for game design? So this is something that I came to um, through writing. Um, I love writing. It's a big part of my day job. It is also a big part of what I do for fun and, and my personal creative output. Um, are you familiar at all with National Novel Writing Month? Yes. The, was it NaNoWriMo okay. or whatever yeah. it is? Yeah. yeah, absolutely. So the idea is in November, um, which is never a busy month for anybody, you sit down and write 50,000 words of a novel um, over those 30 days. Uh, now that's that's a heavy lift for a lot of people um, in a good period of time, uh, but especially during the pandemic and you know when you have a family, um, 
I don't know how things are with you, but like my kids are doing school virtually. So there's, there's kind of always a little bit of elevated chaos in the house. So carving out those times uh, becomes increasingly difficult, but in order to, in order to do the work that you want to do, you have to have it pre-planned. And this doesn't necessarily mean, um, this doesn't necessarily mean planning the project. What I mean is kind of rehearsing the work that you're going to do. So before you, what I like to tell people, um, and when I was in a, a classroom, what I like to tell uh, my students is that writing and typing are not the same thing. So you have to you have to do the work in your head to some extent before you sit down to write. You have to rehearse the words that you're going to write before you sit down to write them. Um, and really, there isn't anything different about that approach when you're applying it to board game design, whether that's uh, I'm going to come up with some copy for a card. And then when I have a chance to whip out my phone and, and bang out some notes, then I'm going to do that. If I'm going to develop some art, then I'm going to picture it in my head. Um, and like there are different degrees of this, right? There is the side of things where I am going to make up words or visualize the board. And then there is another level of it, um, which this may actually be the first time I've talked about this particular part of the process to anybody. Um, but uh, you hear about it with like professional athletes and they will visualize their event before they compete. So like a football player who visualizes a play or um, having flashbacks to cool run-ins and like bobsledders who are visualizing the turns in a track or like a, um, a gymnast who's visualizing a floor routine, right? They, they learn the thing that they're going to do in their head before they actually go out to do it. Um, so visualizing the process of actually doing the thing that you're going to do. So um, for example, a little while ago, I wanted to, uh, I, I had, um, I had a, a bit of an inspiration about how I was going to start assembling some new uh, templates for, for cards for my next prototype. But it wasn't just about visual, it wasn't just about picturing what that art was going to look like. It was, okay, well, I need to walk the dog. Uh, I need to put a load of dishes on, and then I need to go do a little bit of work in the basement. But while I'm doing that, I'm going to run in my head how I'm going to use Inkscape and GIMP and actually like physically perform the act of creating that art. So that by the time I sit down, I've kind of already practiced it. So it's like maybe the third or fourth iteration of actually doing the work before I ever even sit down. Yeah, that's a really cool way to do things and to basically use some time that would normally, you know, if I'm washing dishes or if I'm doing something where I can just kind of turn my brain off and go through the process of doing the thing. Well, this all of a sudden means I can turn my brain on and be thinking about something productive that I'm going to do later while I get that menial task done. I think that's a really cool way of basically repurposing time in a certain degree. Now you mentioned repurposing time. Is that what you were talking about? Or is there something else that goes along with the repurposing of your time? Uh, that is definitely part of it. Um, turning otherwise unproductive time into like productive head time is one thing. Um, but there's, <laughs> I'm sure you know, um, with with your own family, there's only so much you're going to get out of planning dedicated game development time sometimes 
Um, there's always something unforeseen that you're going to have to adapt to. So um, where can you find time uh, that is that otherwise would not be game development time? And I think uh, expanding into the start or the end of your day, I think is really important. Um, it requires some decision-making <laughs> around uh, sleep that you're willing to lose primarily. I can't really believe I'm going to do this, but um, Schwarzenegger has a, th a thing that he said uh, at least once that, that kind of fixed in my head. It's like, if you want to be successful at something um, and you want to spend the appropriate amount of time on it, you need to not waste time sleeping. He said sleep six hours a night. Uh, and then he got the question of like, well, what if you need more sleep than that? And his answer was sleep faster. So, <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, it's one of those things that like, if it's acceptable to you, if it's healthy for you physically and mentally to acclimatize to a slightly shorter sleep cycle, then that can be really useful. Um, I'll, I'll give you an example. Like we know that between midnight and one, is going to be time that gets disrupted with the baby right now. So rather than um, bedtime being at 11, I can reclaim some of the time leading up to that inevitable disruption and still be okay on the other side of it. Um, you know, you have a lot of people who talk about like successful people wake up early. Well, successful people may wake up early or they may stay up late, but either way, what they're doing is spending more time on the thing they want to be successful at. So finding like reclaiming time that way um, can definitely be useful. That's where things like that's where things like physical health, like moderating your caffeine intake and um, like maintaining an exercise schedule and a good diet get really important. And that's stuff that I am absolutely not qualified to talk about and is something that I definitely struggle with, like especially the caffeine thing, if I'm being honest. Yeah, definitely. And now one thing that you mentioned earlier was basically self-management. And this is the thing that I have found to be the most impactful recently over the last, I don't know, six months to a year or so, as I've been working on so many different projects and as I've kind of gone full time into doing this, you know, that this is my main day job. Basically, I've realized that's that- so cool. Yeah, it's been crazy. But I've realized it's not about time management nearly as much as it's about self-management. Like you're saying, really being smart about how much caffeine you're taking in and, you know, understanding sleep cycles, not necessarily like I need eight and a half hours, like not necessarily, you know, just figuring out like I need this amount of sleep and like really understanding me, my personal, uh, my body, basically the way my brain works best, the way uh, I my productivity, like when it's most optimal, like when to work on certain things, what day, what time, all that, and really just getting in there and, and figuring it out, first of all, which is a huge challenge. And I'm not saying that's easy, but as you work to figure out how to manage yourself, all of a sudden managing your time gets easier. It doesn't get easy by any stretch, but it does get easier because you know what works best for you. And sleeping six hours a night might work might work really, really well. Or you might be absolutely useless the next day and not be able to be creative at all because you only got six hours, so you might need eight hours, but then you need to manage yourself in some other way. And maybe it has to do with your diet, your exercise, something like that. And so I think kind of the bigger picture is figure out what works really well for you and then start tweaking those knobs and, and changing those dials and figuring out how to optimize yourself. And then you can figure out better, you know, how to optimize 
your time. And now one big thing that goes along with that is habits. And so like what, what kind of habits have you been creating? What, what have you found helpful as far as habits in your design time, your creativity and all that? Uh, yeah, I mean, kind of what, what you're talking about mainly is trying to, trying to take care of yourself better. Um, exercise is a key one. Um, yoga is really important. Um, at least it's, it's really important to me as with all of these things, your mileage may vary. Um, the, the idea of, of creating habits and pushing yourself to, to really self manage better, um, is something that people are going to have to come to in different ways. Uh, I, I partially am keeping on top of some of this stuff because I'm, I try to reward myself for the habits that um, I need to develop. And, and I kind of cycle through different sets of habits, um, depending on, uh, depending on what my needs are. Um, so I, I created a planner system for myself, uh, to better enable, like managing all my work stuff and then all the household stuff and then all my creative stuff kind of on the same two page spread. And part of that is space for, uh, journaling and habit tracking. And the habits I, I tend to cycle through week to week um, in general, based on just the, the needs of the week um, or, or more so on the month. So uh, in November during Nano, for example, um, I, I set out uh, writing uh, as one of my habits and gave myself a little tick on every day that, uh, that I did it. Um, following that in December, uh, I realized that there was no rubber left on the wheels because of how nuts things were at, uh, at my day job. And because I had had a couple of real hard pushes um, creatively in October and November. So decompression was a habit that I wanted to start developing. So, uh, so I started tracking that. And I think being able to see what habits you are maintaining and then push yourself to do better the following week uh, and be more consistent with those habits the following week are, uh, it, it is a really important step. So not, not exactly that whole quantified life thing that a lot of people talk about. Um, but definitely an element of just like self-awareness around habits that you want to maintain and improve on. Yeah, absolutely. I think the old adage is what gets measured gets changed, right? And if you can actually track, how you're doing as far as how much time you're spending doing certain things or how often you're doing certain things. It's a lot easier because then you have actual data, you have statistics, you have information that then you can make more informed decisions as opposed to just going, yeah, I think I did the thing. I think I've worked on something. Maybe, maybe I did. It, it's hard to know because our, mem our memories are not super reliable for a lot of these things, especially when it comes to like tracking day-to-day -day normal activities. And so, yeah, absolutely tracking things. Now, do you have any, you mentioned the planner, do you have any other tools that you use for that or just tools in general that you found to be super helpful? Yeah, I, the, the planner has been a key one. Um, other than that, it's really applying the tools that you already have as part of your daily workflow that, uh, that has made a difference for me. So um, Trello has been a really important one. It's available uh, on the web. It's available on your phone. Uh, there are desktop apps for it. Um, anything that you can take with you anywhere you are. Um, I'm, I'm pretty simple in terms of my needs right now. Um, so 
uh, OneDrive and the rest of the Microsoft Office suite, those apps are pretty good pretty much everywhere. So I know that if I need to jot down some notes um, for uh, like game instructions or copy for cards or, uh, or dump stuff into a spreadsheet, I can pretty much do that anywhere. Like if I'm trying to get the baby back to bed, I can plug a couple of things into my project plan or I can uh, jot down some notes for copy um, or what have you. Um, different kinds of games are going to have different needs, right? But really anything that you use, just making sure that that's accessible anywhere you're going to be um, without many barriers to entry is going to be the key thing. Yeah, absolutely. Over the last few months, I've found Slack to be just a phenomenal tool to help me with project management and making sure artists and illustrators are on the same page and, and graphic designers and all the people that are involved with different projects, whether it's Board Game Design Lab related or one of my games or one of my books or anything like that. Slack has just been a phenomenal tool to help keep everything organized and all in one place and instant you know, messaging as far as like, hey, I've got this issue, I've got this question, and somebody can respond immediately. And it's just it's just better than email, I found, for a lot of things I'm working on. Now, you mentioned Trello, which for those listening is T-R-E-L-L-O. Uh, tell me how you're using Trello to manage your time, manage your projects, things like that. So I started using Trello uh, just as a, um, a way to scaffold the project. Because I am very new to all this and didn't really know what I was doing, I was like, okay, so let's break down having a finished deck building board game into the obvious component parts um, and then start breaking those parts down into tasks that I could I could start to measure my progress on. Um, so like I knew, uh, I knew that I was going to need, uh, cards. I had a general idea about what the breakdown of, of how many of which type of card I was going to need. Um, I knew that I had a couple of milestones that I wanted to hit, uh, you know, a basic prototype, um, a more advanced prototype that was more thematically appropriate. And then one that had, um, some, um, some, uh, more complete artwork, right. Um, so I started from a very kind of high level um, project management kind of approach, but as things got, <laughs> as I moved from the slightly easy, very early stage with the baby into the not so easy, still fairly early stage with the baby, um, I, I realized that I could just start dumping ideas into Trello and it became um, uh, a less useful project management tool, but a very useful, hey, here is literally a list of cards on one of my, uh, one of my, um, in one of my buckets, and I can check them off the list uh, as I have added them to the, to the first prototype. So um, yeah, really, really chunking down the project like that. I mean, that's, that's how you use those type of tools. This is not revolutionary, um, but also being willing to just say, this is the tool where I'm spending the most time, I'm going to use it in a way that makes the most sense for me to get ideas from in my head to somewhere that I can then action them later on. Yeah, and I think that's a super important thing for people to realize. There is no secret sauce. There is no magic, you know, like silver bullet that's going to be the perfect tool, the perfect resource, the perfect piece of software that's all of a sudden going to make everything easy and and no obstacles, and no issues at all. It's really just a matter of figuring out what works, what works really well for you and your process. What can you afford? It can also be part of it because some of these tools out there are, are fairly expensive. So just being aware 
of that and kind of working within your budget or whatever, but really just figuring out something that works for you and then diving deeper into how to utilize that piece of software or that resource as well as totally. you can, and, right? And if I may, like what works well at the time, your needs now are not necessarily going to be the same as your needs a month or two from now. It is going to change just depending on your circumstance. And if you're a busy person already, then chances are you're not going to get less busy. <laughs> so just identifying the needs and the ways in which you're using those tools and moving, uh, moving to suit the stage of the project that you're at and what your needs are at that moment. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Do you have any other ideas or any other things that have really been working for you as far as your process? Well, I, I know we're kind of running up against um, the end of the episode here. Um, but yeah, really kind of reassessing uh, downtime. You know, how much of it do I need? Um, if there is a particular push that I want to make to get to a milestone, um, like, for example, that first prototype, right? I knew I need I, I knew that I wanted to start playtesting sooner rather than later. So what downtime am I willing to get rid of? Um, turns out video games were not super important during that push. Uh, turns out that alcohol was not super important during that push. Turns out that TV shows were not super important during that push. So um, being willing to reclaim some of that time, I think, was super important. Um, not super healthy in the long run to abandon all downtime, um, but just to be willing, again, to serve the needs of the project, to serve the needs that you have at the moment, um, what can you shuffle around and, and what is appropriate to serve your needs? Yeah, definitely. And that's been my experience as well. And it's also really about understanding that there are no solutions. There are only trade-offs. And if you want to accomplish totally. something, in, in, in this case, designing a game or getting a game published or launching a podcast, launching a website, whatever it is, you're going to have to trade something else off. You're going to have to sacrifice something else. Now, for me personally, you know, I haven't played video games in a long time. I love video games. I think they're great. I just don't have time to play them and do these other things that I want to accomplish. I don't watch a lot of TV, like you're saying. You know, I don't go out and do a lot of social events. The pandemic kind of helped with that. That wasn't necessarily my choice, but it <laughs> kind of worked out that way, right? But you have to figure out what am I willing to sacrifice? What am I willing to trade in order to accomplish these other things that maybe I find more value in? It's not that the other things aren't valuable. Like, there's nothing wrong with playing video games. I don't want people to think, oh, games against that. Like, that's, that can be super valuable time, depending on how, you know, how it's being spent. Maybe you're playing those games with your kids or playing those with your friends that live on the other side of the country and it's like really good social time. That's awesome. I'm not saying that those things aren't valuable, but you have to determine is something else more valuable that I could be using that time for and then just kind of adjust your schedule, adjust your brain, adjust your, you know, your habits, whatever it is, adjust your life towards those things that you find the most value in. And that's been super helpful for me over the last couple of years really starting to figure it out over the last three, four or five months uh, as I've kind of had to. And that's, you know, that's something I found a lot of success with. But Trevor, this has been great, man. Do you have any like closing thoughts, anything you want to kind of leave people with as far as, you know, time management, time optimization, you know, maybe being the better term? I mean, I, I would say that it's a process for everybody to learn what kind of tools and techniques work for them. Um, and I would say, you know, Creative people can be super, super hard on themselves uh, about their output. Um, I know I have been. That's something that I've really struggled with in the past. So I think one of the reasons that like planners and, and project journals and things like that are so, and Trello boards are so important um, is because it, 
it lets you measure your process. And chances are you are being more productive already than you think. Um, you have probably accomplished more despite how busy your life is than you already think. Um, and, and make sure that you are finding joy in the process of making stuff. And, you know, the end result is important. Um, but if you're a hobbyist, then don't, don't just be in it for the end result. Do it because it is nourishing and rewarding for you. Um, and be okay with incremental progress. Um, depending on what life is like, depending on what's coming at you, sometimes incremental progress is what you're going to get. And, and you have to be uh, satisfied and, and feel accomplished from that. And that's okay. Yeah, for sure. I mean, the journey of a thousand miles starts with one step, right? Well, cool, man. I know you've got a website that you go into a lot of these things in more detail. Tell me about that and anything else you want people to be aware of. Totally. Yeah. Um, you can find a bunch of stuff that I do. You can actually find my planner. Um, if that's of interest to anybody, uh, at lovemakeshare.ca. Um, also there, uh, there's some YouTube videos about different projects. So like I said before, multi hyphenate maker, uh, the kids and I do some 3d printing, some electronic stuff, um, some, uh, some board game design, uh, just some art and crafty stuff. So it really is kind of demonstrating project-based learning, uh, through, uh, through different nerdy pursuits and family activities and things like that. So yeah, lovemakeshare.ca is where all of that stuff lives. Awesome. Well, Trevor, really appreciate your time. Really appreciate you coming on the show. Good luck with uh, the time optimization, especially as, you know, <laughs> dealing with the infant and, you know, the babies just, just change everything. So good luck with that and everything else you got going on right now. Thank you so much, man. I really appreciate it. This has been a lot of fun. Thanks for listening. Hosting for the Board Game Design Lab podcast is sponsored by Quartermaster Logistics, the leader in crowdfunding fulfillment and warehousing. Check them out at qmlogistics.com and find all sorts of game design resources, bonus material, and chances to win free games at boardgamedesignlab.com. And until next time, keep designing, keep playtesting, and keep creating great games. Did I mention keep playtesting?